listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Since 2009, the Pharmacy Podcast has been leading podcast publications as the insider voice of the pharmacy industry. Explore the profession and business of pharmacy through audio. Join us at PharmacyPodcast.com or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or any of your favorite podcast directories. You are listening to Beyond the SIG, a prescription for transformative pharmacy care. Season 2 of Beyond the SIG is supported by the Pennsylvania Department of Health in partnership with the Pennsylvania Pharmacists Association. Funding was provided through the Preventative Health and Health Services Block Grant from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. The contents of this podcast are solely the responsibility of the presenters and do not necessarily represent the official views of the Pennsylvania Department of Health or the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. The Pennsylvania Pharmacists Association's podcast, Beyond the SIG, is a proud member of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the second season of Beyond the SIG podcast, giving a shot about diabetes. My name is Rachel Hay, and I'm hosting today's episode along with my co-host, Isabel. How are you doing today, Isabel? I'm doing well. The sun is shining, and it's finally May, and we have some flowers out there. But also allergy season. Yes, yes, allergy season. That is so real. Yeah, no, I'm I'm doing good despite it being a Monday morning. Um I was able to enjoy some really nice weather this weekend, get out, go for a walk. So yeah, things things are good, even though it's a Monday morning. <laughs> We're coming close to the end of residency here, Rachel. I know. I just looked at the calendar. I saw we only have eight more weeks of residency. I know. Crazy. This year has flown by. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it has flown by so fast. Um, But today, we are very excited to welcome an incredible ambulatory care pharmacist to our discussion. Megan Bookser, PharmD, is a pharmacist practicing in primary care in Washington, PA. She received her doctorate of pharmacy from Ohio Northern University and went on to complete a PGY-1 pharmacy practice residency at McGee Women's Hospital of UPMC. After finishing a PGY-2 residency in ambulatory care with Duquesne University and preferred primary care physicians, Dr. Bookser became a program manager of ambulatory care pharmacy at Preferred Primary Care Physicians, or PPCP, which is an independent primary care practice group in southwestern Pennsylvania. So her current role Uh, Dr. Bookser works in value-based care and serves as the program coordinator for PPCP's DSMES service. Beyond her job as a pharmacist, Megan also enjoys finding deals at TJ Maxx, being a foodie, and spoiling her dog, Rooney. So welcome, Megan. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Rachel Nisbell. I'm so excited to be joining you this morning. It's going to be a good one. Yes, we are so excited to have you too. Um, So I guess I'll kind of get the ball rolling here um, to get things started, Megan. I was hoping you could kind of tell our listeners just a little bit more about yourself and how did you get involved with diabetes education and, you know, what really drew you to this field? Sure. So, um, you know, like you just read off in my short bio there, my, my educational and professional background, but Um, You know, I think what really drew me to ambulatory care as a pharmacist was just this, you know, 
real calling that I felt that my training within my PharmD program and my residency programs, you know, thereafter was really gearing me toward a, um, gearing me toward the pursuit of ambulatory care as a profession and, and what that means as a pharmacist and what that means as a pharmacist in Pennsylvania and what that means as a pharmacist in Pennsylvania in a private care, private primary care practice. So, you know, in getting to where I am now, it was somewhat unexpected to end up where I currently practice, but, um, you know, it's been an incredible journey so far with, you know, a lot of opportunity to really incorporate the practice of pharmacy into primary care and really introduce those two worlds to one another in a way that they have not necessarily been introduced much before. Um, you know, we know that the profession of pharmacy is is wide reaching and there's a lot of opportunity for pharmacists across the board to pursue certain interests and um, really specialize in certain areas. But, I, you know, as I said, you know, I really felt like my training led me to this idea of really getting more involved in primary care and, and bringing pharmacy into the mix. Um, so I first got involved with diabetes education actually in, in my PGY2 um, you know, it was something that preferred primary care physicians had, you know, demonstrated a need for and was really starting to pick up, um, you know, starting with classes, organizing things and seeing how patients were responding. And it was just this kind of light bulb moment for a lot of people to say, wow, you know, there's time to be spent with really diving into some of the education pieces around the disease state of diabetes and you know, how can we take this a step further? You know, how can we really polish ourselves up, you know, put an accreditation to this um, and make this something that can really be sustaining for, for years to come. So, um, you know, with our experience in diabetes education, um, you know, the Pennsylvania Pharmacists Association was um, starting a grant program um, and they had run through a few classes at that point and I had reached out to um, some folks over there that were coordinating the program, and I said, "Hey, you know, I, you know, I know that this is kind of meant for pharmacies, but I, I'm a pharmacist, but, and I work in a non-traditional setting. So, you know, is there some way that I could get involved and, you know, really kind of bring this into my setting?" And they were gracious enough to kind of accept me into that program, and and here I am now. So it's it's been three years now, I think, that we've been, you know, what we would consider fully accredited by ADCES with our program. Um, and we are, we're loving it. I mean, it's, it's a great program that we put on for our patients. Uh, we have a lot of continued interest. And I think for me personally, um, it, it's funny because I joke with my mom. She's like, Megan, I just always really thought you would be a teacher. And I was like, I, I teach people every day. You know, I, I really dig into the education piece because I, I really feel there's a lot of value in understanding your healthcare, you know, your medications, things that are going on. And DSMES is just kind of the perfect platform for that to, to introduce people to the, the vast and wide world of diabetes management. Wow, I could not agree more. There's so much that we could do, especially with DSMES. And I think it's cool how you went out of your way to try to find a way to make DSMES work for you, like you said, in a more non-traditional setting. You asked how that was possible, so that's really cool. And I know you said it's been about three years now, so could you walk us through how you started this service from scratch at your practice um, and any advice that you have for pharmacists that are trying to do the same within their ambulatory care practice too? 
Sure. I mean, I think we started out with a lot of good bone structure. You know, I think the the desire and the need was there. I, I don't think that was really ever a sticking point for anyone where I think some people can run into that question. Is it like, well, is it is it really needed where I practice or is this going to be something that adds value to the my patient's experience? And, um, you know, thankfully, when I was getting involved, that was kind of a question that was already a resounding yes. You know, we felt like there was a lot of value to be had here. And, and patients were benefiting and seeing results, but we really kind of needed to get some things straightened out and put ourselves onto a, a validated curriculum and, you know, go through those appropriate steps to make this a, you know, full-fledged process. So, um, you know, the biggest thing that I think is that, you know, you don't ever need to feel like you're doing this by yourself and you don't ever need to feel like you're, you need to reinvent the wheel. Look at how many organizations are accredited to provide DSMES. You know, people have walked through the accreditation process, you know, all of that paperwork, you know, the, the different things that they ask for you to submit. So it's not something that you need to kind of go in from scratch or have no experience in doing. And I, I give a lot of credit to the PPA grant program for really facilitating a lot of that and, and providing a lot of guidance and structure. Um, you know, I think pharmacy is strongest when we really communicate well with one another. Um, you know, even as simple as me reaching out and asking, hey, you know, I'm not a pharmacist, I'm not a pharmacy, I am a pharmacist. What can we do here? You know, of course, the things that were to come were kind of geared toward this idea of establishing your pharmacy as a location of DSMES. But, you know, you take that with your professional understanding of your work setting and you you figure it out. You know, you really kind of make make lemon, lemonade out of lemons and you take the information that you have and, and put it through that accreditation process. So all that to say, I mean, I think it's important to realize what your resources are. Um, you know, they're not necessarily going to get handed to you all the time. You want to go out and look for them and pursue different opportunities as you see fit. But, you know, that process was instrumental really in being able to get us accredited and, and maintain our accreditation now for a few years. So I think that that was a, a big piece of it is that the, the desire and the want was there and then this structure provided by a, a grant program intended to help with accreditation was available to us, which is a, a wonderful opportunity. It was one that we jumped on and we're very grateful for. So um, as far as advice for people who are looking to do this at their ambulatory care practice site, I mean, a needs assessment is always a great place to start, figure out what, what kind of population you're looking at. You know, within our practice, we are, you know, very fortunate to have a very large patient panel. Many of those patients, of course, have diabetes. So we have kind of a built-in list of people to work with. But in other settings, there's other ways of doing that, right? Like if you're in a dispensing setting where you have information regarding prescription claims, you can look at that information and say, okay, like, let's see who my patients are that are, that are taking insulin or who are on multiple, you know, anti-diabetic therapies. Um, you know, if you're in an ambulatory care setting, you may have some of that pop health information and data to kind of support that decision to pursue DSMES. So in terms of, you know, the setup, like look for, look for assistance, look for people who have done this before. Um, you know, if it's not a grant program through PPA, it may be that pharmacy down the street, they may have a really great DSMES program that's up and running. Ask to talk to somebody. I, th I think sometimes we get nervous that you know, we don't want to step on toes or we don't want to feel like we're creating competition where it's really more about providing that patient with the care that they need. Um, and, you know, you may be able to find a great mentor that can kind of walk you through some of these different pieces.
but um, I wouldn't, don't let your hesitation hold you back from pursuing something like DSMES. It's a fantastic service that really lends a lot of value to your patient care and what you're able to provide to the patient's health treatment plan. So um, just go for it. I mean, have the confidence and, and really go pursue it and you'll, you'll see the benefit very soon after you start. Awesome, thank you, Megan, um, for that really great advice. And so it sounds like when you started this service from scratch, you had a lot of great resources, great structure. And then of course, like you were saying, um, you know, a community of people that really desired this and wanted this. Um, so I guess, what would you say were some of the difficulties or challenges in getting this service up and running? I think with any new service offering or program or anything like that, you're, you're, biggest barrier is the fact that you're faced with unfamiliarity with the people that you're relying on to to help facilitate your program, right? So um, we all know that DSMES is, you know, you're required to have a physician referral and, you know, how do we make that happen? So we were very conscious, you know, from the beginning of trying to integrate that as much as we could into what we would call standard workflow, right? You know, you don't need to go looking for that referral button in a particular place. It's not hidden, you know, it's well displayed. It's easy to find, you know, people are oriented to it. And I think we try to take that a step further and, and really remind people that it's not always the physician or the APP that's really driving that conversation every single time, although they are absolutely some of the people that we rely on most, but you know, it's working with our dietitian who sees many diabetic patients on her schedule every day. Um, it's orienting our office managers to let them know, hey, we have a new service offering. This is how you refer into it. If you have any questions, these are the right people to talk to. You know, please pass this message on to your staff. So, you know, I think we really rely on the this idea of like, okay, the physician or the APP needs to be one that signs that referral, but there's so many other people that are involved in the patient care process. And I think working in primary care, I've really gotten to see that firsthand that there's a lot of different people that work with patients, that call on them, that speak with them outside of those appointment windows. So having everybody on the team be well oriented to what's going on or this new service offering that we are, you know, providing through DSMES, I think can be something that really helps to clear barriers quickly. That's not to say that we didn't face them. You know, I think we've seen growth over years, which is great. You know, that's something that you are hopeful for and we've been fortunate enough to have. But, you know, there's, of course, times that we really look at where our referrals are coming from. Do you know, we we have a champion, you know, physician that really sends a lot of patients our way. But how do we engage some physicians who may not have referred to us in the past? Um, so then we kind of say, okay, like, how, how can we find patients ourselves? Or, you know, do we run population health lists or, you know, do we look at the dietitian's schedule and see who, see what patients are popping up based on certain clinical parameters. So um, I think one of the things that we learned quickly is that the flexibility needed to really run a DSMES program is something that shouldn't be understated. You know, if you have this expectation that you're going to go in and run the exact same program for, you know, five different people every other month and, you know, you're going to end up with the same thing, it's probably a little naive. Um, you know, you need to understand that people are going to meet you at different places. You know, we're going to need to be able to do different things on the management side of our program to be able to really help patients get drawn in, to have them identify into this service. 
Um, so, you know, although there may be difficulties, it's, it's part of the learning process, really. It, it teaches you a lot of things about how to better go about getting patients in, managing the program, how to structure your program. And I'm happy to say that in the three years that we've been doing this, you know, we've made a lot of changes along the way. You know, the, our program looks different than it did when we went through the accreditation process. And that's a good thing. So we wanted to stay, you know, with the patients, with the science, um, you know, supporting what our, the care that our physicians and APPs are providing. So we know that although we face difficulties in this DSMES process and getting it up and running, um, we know that in the long run, it's, it, it's growing pains a lot of the time. And if you expect to have nothing, it's probably, like I said, a little bit naive. So. No, that's really good advice. And um, there's definitely growing pains, especially you guys started out like three years ago. And like you said, you know, what you started out with and what you have now are completely different. And that's, that's a good thing. So I know you mentioned a lot about referrals and it seems like you get a lot of referrals. So I'm wondering how did those come about and what are your classes look like or is it one-on-one? So just give us like a little breakdown of how you get participants involved and what your classes are like. Sure. So we have a, an EMR, a universal EMR within our practice system. So all of our offices, all of our providers, all of our staff utilize a single charting resource, which um, you know I'm sure for some of the other pharmacy, pharmacists that are practicing on the call is like, ah, oh, I wish, I wish we had that. Um, but you know, it's part of kind of being within this this practice that you're able to utilize as a universal chart system at least within those offices. So that I think is a a big win right off the bat because when you create things like referral buttons, those are going to be located similarly for everybody that accesses that system. So we made that really easy and accessible for our providers to tap into when they have patients that they've identified that would benefit from DSMES. So our referral button is really integrated into the EMR, but you know, as with as with anything, right? You know, it's like a pharmacist Achilles heel that you're you're always accessible. You know, you can, you can, whatever you, however you need to get to me, like I'll make it happen for you. So, so it's always things like, hey, you know, if you can't find the referral button or you need help putting the order in or you've got somebody but you're not quite sure if they're going to fit for class or you don't know if they can make it to our next session you know of course it's you know call me email me send me a message anything that you need to do and we can kind of facilitate from there um because this is a thing right like we don't want people to go unreferred or you know patients to miss out on the opportunity for dsmes just based on some uh, really a technicality so really being really aligning the service to yourself as well and saying, hi, you know, I'm, I'm Megan, I'm the pharmacist. I coordinate this program. If you have questions, let me know. If you have interested patients and you need some help or you've never done the referral before, let me know. I'll send over some instructions. I'll walk you through it. So you want to be supportive of people as they, as they try to utilize your service. And, and really, I mean, it, what it boils down to is good customer service more than anything, just being flexible and trying to facilitate that for patients because um, really they're the ones that are ultimately going to benefit. So our DSMES classes, you know, after some, some trial and error and finding the sweet spot, sweet spot for myself and our registered dietitian who co-teaches the class with me, we run a four-week DSMES series. Um, it's a one-hour session, one time a week for four weeks, and then we do that every other month. So we're offering classes pretty consistently um, based on our volume that's coming in for referrals. 
you know, it's something that we try to stay very aware of in terms of how many referrals we have versus how often we're offering those classes and when we're doing that. So we have found a lot of success in offering an evening program. Um, and with the pandemic happening, we were, you know, our hand was forced to consider, you know, different ways of delivering education. And we have landed on providing our, edu our education classes via telehealth. And in many ways, you try to identify the silver linings of the COVID-19 pandemic. And for us, it really was the success of converting our sessions to telehealth and providing that care to patients who, you know, in a large geographical spread of our patient population can get to us at the same time, at the same place with very little disruption to their routine. So, so we've been really successful in the last couple of years in running those classes via telehealth. Um, they are largely group classes. We do offer individual um, appointments with our patients, especially for our new referrals for DSMES. It's something that we really strongly encourage patients to go through, although it may it may be difficult for them to understand why that first individual appointment is necessary, but you can answer a lot of those individualized questions in that, in that initial appointment prior to jumping into group. Um, I think both really have their benefits. You know, we, we like a group setting because our patients understand that they're not the only one on this earth with diabetes. There's people in their community that have it as well. And we get to benefit from the questions that each other asks uh, the information that's provided, the discussion that occurs, and really the camaraderie that we've seen come out of the classes is, it's really heartwarming, if nothing else. You know, you see patients that greet each other by name when they jump on the jump on the class, and, you know, we're always, we're always welcome them to jump in a few minutes early and just, you know, say hello and things, and we've got people on their camera showing us their, their new zero sugar drink of choice, and, um, you know, things that they found in the last week, or they're asking questions and things. So, um, you know, I think sometimes in a in an in-person group setting, it can be a little intimidating to say, hey, you know, I've got questions or concerns, but telehealth, I think, has really been able to increase in people's confidence and facilitate some discussion for us. So I say that, but that's what works for us and our program. You know, it works for how we run our classes and our patients, um, but DSMES classes look really different if you talk to different program coordinators. You know, some people do longer sessions, some people do shorter sessions, some people have smaller groups or larger groups, but it just really depends on what you're working with and what you think your patients would benefit from. Um, you know, sometimes it's to taking that opportunity to do the individual appointment and understanding, hey, this person would probably get lost in the crowd if they were in a large volume class. Like, can, is there a way that we can kind of facilitate them to be in a, in a smaller volume class? Um, so really like it, it's worth the time to talk with that patient, really get an understanding of who they are and what their needs are. Um, but we have kind of landed on that, that pattern for us in terms of our class structure. So it's been working well. I love how you talked about the community when you have a group class. Um, I'm currently doing DSMES, but we're doing just uh, one patient at a time. And, you know, even a part of the curriculum is like the healthy coping and, you know, finding out about your diagnosis and try to find a community that'll support you, whether that be family or friends or other patients or other people that have diabetes. So I think it's so cool how you do have those classes and they are able to see that they're not alone because 
they're literally in a class with other people going through the same thing. And then, you know, they could all learn from each other and what worked for them the past week or something like that. And I think that's a really cool point that you guys have there. Yeah, and thank you for kind of giving us a little overview of what your DSMES classes look like and that structure. And like you said, Megan, it really does vary um, from different practice sites. It sounds like Isabel's is a lot different than yours. Um, I guess, uh, Megan, what would you say would be kind of the similarities and differences of your practice site in the ambulatory care setting as compared to a community pharmacy setting? Sure. So, you know, I'm practicing in a primary care setting where the the tools and resources that I have and I utilize on a day to day basis are really different than what a community pharmacy utilizes. Um, you know, I think the EMR is probably the biggest, most notable difference. And it's funny because that drives so much of what we do and how we're able to do it. So I see that as a big difference. Um, but that's not to say that there isn't parallels, right? There's a lot of similarities in how I operate our program or how we pursue different opportunities and how a community-based program would be able to, to find something similar and execute it in the same way. Um, you know, because we are a physician practice program that we do have the ability to bill through insurances and there's a lot of less red tape for us um, when I know my community pharmacy colleagues can encounter a few more barriers to that than we may have. Um, but that's because we're billing medical codes day in and day out for thousands of patients on a single day. So, um, you know, I think that big piece of it was something that really helped with the ongoing success of our program. And it was actually something that we did our um, continuous quality improvement project on this year for our accreditation was to really follow that process from the time of patient visit to that final reimbursement that is offered to us from our payer programs. Because it's something that, you know, we talk about a lot with being able to maintain programs and seeing that return on, you know, the time invested in the, the, the uptake of the education. Um, but it's not necessarily something that we get a lot of exposure to in the course of our day to day. So taking the opportunity to use our CQI project that's part of your annual status report for DSMES and spending time doing that, working with our coworkers who are involved in the billing process and they're involved in reimbursement and charge posting and, you know, picking their brains about, you know, why does this look one way, but this looks like something else? And what does it mean when the payer program comes back and the feedback that they give you, what does that really mean? And, you know, we are very grateful to them because they've provided us with a lot of enhanced understanding about some of the barriers that we can see on that tail end of things. Um, but that being said, you know, it's it's something that despite the reimbursement or lack thereof sometimes, um, it's trying to find a consistent way of, of facilitating your program. Um, you know, if you're kind of all over the place and you've got 17 different processes going on, you're never gonna be able to put those people in the same room together and run a class. So you know, understanding your structure, and I, again, like I think flexibility is still very important to a structure, but a structure nonetheless, and saying, okay, I'm going to try this, and we're going to work this out, and we're, we'll see how it goes, and then we'll make changes incrementally. Um, you know, there's a time and place for, for overhauls or really making a big shift in how you do things, but, you know, especially becoming a practicing pharmacist and, and being on, you know, quote unquote, on your own, 
after your trainings and everything, you, you've come to find that it's like, okay, I can really build upon my experience and the things that I've been trying to do and, and tweak them and fine tune them into a way that's successful for everybody. So I think in taking that structure and putting it into execution, you got to try, you got to try some things out first. And if they totally flop, then, you know, you learned, you know, it may not work well for you in your program, but if there's some things that you're like, Hey, I actually think that that did work really well. Um, you know, telehealth was a big challenge for us because it, it took things that we were so used to being tactile and saying, Hey, yeah, here, try out this demo insulin pen and, you know, get a feel for it, see how the, you know, the dial turns and things like that. And now you're like, okay, well, now I'm talking to you through a computer screen and how do I, how do I make a difference in your education? How do I really deliver some of this messaging? So, um, you know, we kept a lot of that consistent structure and just manipulated it for that new setting. So um, build it solid from the ground up, get a good foundation for what you're doing, have an understanding of what you're trying to accomplish when it comes to your education and, and be flexible from there. You know, I think that that when you ask the question about the key to running a successful diabetes service is really, it's that it's understanding what your goal and intention is having a great structure to do it and then making changes along the way and being flexible to meet the needs of your patients and your providers. Yeah, thank you, Megan. Um, I know you mentioned a lot about structure and the structure of your particular program or programs in general for DSMES. And I know each one is a little bit different, but I know you mentioned that you work with a dietitian. So could you talk more about collaborating with your dietitian and ways that you're able to work together? How are you guys able to stay up to date to make sure that the classes are running smoothly and the information is still all there? Uh, things like that. Absolutely. So I um, am very fortunate that we have a registered dietitian on staff with us. Um, Olivia Heil is her name. She is an RDLDN and her and I, you know, co-teach our class together. And it has been an absolute joy to incorporate her knowledge and her expertise into offering diabetes education to our patients. You know, I think as pharmacists, we get into our heads about being able to really be all things for all people at all times. You know, you want to help facilitate care for patients across the continuum. You want to be there for them. But there's a lot of value in partnering with people in other disciplines to render services. So in combining, you know, my experience as a pharmacist with Olivia's experience as a dietitian, it provides a much more dynamic delivery of our education because it comes from different viewpoints. Of course, there's overlap. Of course, there's, you know, the clinical guidelines that underpin all of your discussion that you have with patients. But you know, her perspective coming in as a dietitian and how she communicates with patients and the things that she knows that patients can struggle with or that they do well with is really valuable when you put it into the setting of diabetes education and you counter it with some of that pharmacy background that we have. Um, you know, I think there's a big opportunity for, you know, pharmacists and especially dietitians to collaborate to provide DSMES services. You know, I think that the you know registered dietitians that we work with see a lot of patients with diabetes you know it's something that is well reimbursed by medicare you know it's a cms recognized diagnosis for medical nutrition therapy which is one of the services that dietitians can offer 
So that's a huge win right there. You know, it's, they're inherently seeing people that have diabetes and that are looking to make changes because they're looking and asking about lifestyle. They're asking about nutrition and how can they do better? So a lot of times that really is one of the first steps to saying, hey, you know, there's a lot more that we can dig into when it comes to diabetes education. If you're asking me about nutrition and you're asking me about some of these pieces. So I I give Olivia a lot of credit because a lot of the patients that she sees on a day-to-day basis, you know, she kind of facilitates into our diabetes education classes after she sees them for medical nutrition therapy. So it can be a fine line at times to distinguish what's diabetes education and what's part of MNT. Um, But she does a great job of really identifying those folks who could benefit from additional education into different areas. You know, she focuses, of course, a lot on diet, nutrition, and some other lifestyle pieces. And she, of course, considers the clinical implications of diagnoses and meds and, and, you know, all the things that are in that patient's chart. But, you know, putting them into the education sphere, you know, changes that conversation just ever so slightly. So it's a great complement to the information that they've received in MNT, but it really expands upon it to have them have a better understanding about diabetes as a disease state, of course, the medications that go along with it, healthy coping, problem solving, all of our ADCES, you know, seven behaviors that we're trying to impart on these patients. So I, I really encourage a lot of pharmacists to, to look outside of their pharmacy and, and look to see what other professionals they can collaborate with. You know, I think there's a lot of emphasis on, you know, working with providers and, and being able to resource referrals from them to that driving your patient population. But I think the dietitians especially have just like such a market for that too. You know, they're seeing people, like I said, that are inherently looking to make changes or or have some questions about the things that they're doing. And a lot of those patients have diabetes. So collaborating with them has been, it's been a real joy. I mean, I can't say it enough. It's taught me a lot about how I communicate with patients about especially lifestyle modifications, but I I tell our patients every single time, I'm like, the nutrition class is my favorite class that we offer because I learn new things every time we do it. And I've been teaching with her for years. So it's great because I think we give ourselves a lot of opportunity to address our patients' questions by being able to approach it from a few different perspectives. So you had asked about how we keep current with, um, with guidelines. How do we keep up to date with our guidelines? Diabetes guidelines are things that come out typically on an annual basis, you know, and there's potentially some significant changes. You know, in the last few years, we've seen some things that, especially in the pharmacy world, have kind of been realigned. You know, what are we preferring? What are we really trying to drive our patients toward in terms of medications? Um, But I think really approaching your DSMES service with the mentality of, I want to stay clinically relevant. I want to be able to provide my patients with the most updated care. Um, And it's something that we tell our patients as well. You know, we have patients that scope from, I've had diabetes for quite literally two weeks, or I've had diabetes for 30 years. And we tell them that they're of course all welcome into this, this class and we hope that they all benefit. But diabetes is something that we know so much more about now than we did last year or five years ago or 10 years ago. So although we see a lot of people who are newly diagnosed that are looking for information, we show our patients who have had diabetes for a long time, like this is this year's 
you know, guidelines for diabetes. There's going to be another set that comes out in a year. We're always learning. We're always pursuing new things. Um, you know, it's something that as you engage on social media and you engage in your professional channels to keep an eye out, you know, things that are developing in diabetes or new advancements. And, you know, patients are curious about it too. You know, we've had people ask about, oh, the inhaled insulins, what happened with those? And, oh, the artificial pancreases, how does that influence type 2 diabetes? And what's all this about, you know, adult onset type 1? What does that mean? So, you know, although we have a natural curiosity as, as healthcare providers and pharmacists to, to understand those new things coming down the pipeline, patients can have a real engagement with that as well. So I think it's a, a mindset that we all take on to keep our, our offerings current, to be representative of the latest and greatest when it comes to clinical evidence and guidelines. And it's something that we hold ourselves to regularly. So we want to know, hey, what's, what's new going on in nutrition related to diabetes? What's going on in exercise related to diabetes? So it's something that we all hold ourselves accountable to. And it's something that we know it continues to change and our program has to change with it. Great. Well, thank you so much, Megan, for just coming on the podcast and for sharing your DSMES experiences with us. Um, I know I especially enjoyed hearing about your new, unique practice site and your collaboration with your dietitian, Olivia. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you guys for having me. It was a great discussion and I just really encourage people who are interested in DSMES to, to get involved. It's been really rewarding. I, I tell everyone it's one of my favorite parts of my job that I get to do. And it's something that I hopefully look forward to doing for a long time. Yeah, that's so great. Thank you, Megan. Uh, yeah, all right. Well, thank you everyone for tuning in to our DSMES series, giving a shot about diabetes. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of Beyond the SIG. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and others on the Pharmacy Podcast Network on any of your favorite podcast directories. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.